Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hopefully to build a, a culture in Milwaukee that uh, for many years that we can come out here and compete every year for the for the championship. Giannis wants to stick around and build a uh, a culture that is going to give this city a championship. Welcome back to the program. The Bill Michael Show continues. Whether or not he stays, I think, is uh, it's a foregone conclusion he's going to be here. I'm not, not really concerned about that. I think some people are because it stays in the forefront of everyone's mind when you're continually beaten over the head with it from some of the national entities. But uh, he is, he is going to be here. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. To talk more about it, uh, we've got Eric Name, our Milwaukee basketball insider, joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Eric, so uh, first and foremost, let's talk about this series because this, uh, even with Giannis, did not go the way the Bucks had hoped. And the only game they won was when he played only 11 minutes. So what went wrong for this team? Let's start there. You know, I think a big part of it was kind of what all of us could could see happening in this series. You know, I'm trying to think how long I wrote about I guess six months now um, where the Bucks lost to the Heat at the beginning of March. And, uh, you know, it was a spot where as I was writing about their potential second-round opponents before the world shut down because of the pandemic, like I had said, you know, this Heat team is essentially built to beat the Bucks. They they went out at the trade deadline and got Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, and they already had Jimmy Butler. They already had Bam Adebayo. They were essentially stockpiling defensive options for Giannis, and then offensively, they cut more than anyone else in the league, and they like shooting threes outside of the corners more than anyone in the league. And that is absolutely how you can hurt the Bucks. And then on top of it, you have two guys in Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic that like those those in-between floaters, those those shots that a lot of people in the league now find tough, but both of those guys are really good at them. And, you know, you put all that together, and the Heat's offense was built to beat the Bucks. the Heat's defense was built to beat the Bucks, and, you know, it was really just a question of whether or not they could end up having the best player in the series. And... I think, you know, you have to give Jimmy Butler credit in that regard. He proved it. Like, he proved that uh, 
you know, he could be up on that upper echelon. And, you know, maybe that means Giannis has to play a little bit better. Maybe that means Giannis underperformed. Maybe, uh, you know, we've seen Giannis win his last MVP here for a while uh, because I, I think he still has some things left to prove. So, he got outplayed by Jimmy Butler. The Bucks outplayed the Heat out, or excuse me, the Heat out executed the Bucks and outplayed the Bucks. And that's where you kind of find things now. So I think what this means is Mike Bunozer is going to have to look at his his team and his strategies long and hard in this off season and figure out what kind of changes he wants to make because this is a team that was the absolute best defensive team in the league this season. Uh, They've struggled to regain whatever they had going on defensively in the bubble, whether that was in the seeding games or in the playoffs. But they built the league's best defense in Mike Boonholder's first two years here in Milwaukee. And you have to ask, well, that's cool in the regular season, but now in back-to-back postseason, the defense hasn't been good enough. So how do they make those adjustments and try to get this team more playoff ready? Because that's really what this is about. They've had the best record in the NBA the last two seasons. And, dropped out before the championship in the in the playoffs. So they have to figure out how to get themselves postseason ready. Uh, so all the criticism being heaped upon Bud, is it warranted? You know, I, I think there there's a lot that goes into – I think the, the criticism right now needs to be put probably on three people. I think it, it starts with Bud and it's Giannis and then – you know, I think on a, maybe a lower level is probably like Eric Bledsoe, but I think Bud deserves a lot of this. Going into this season, you know, you couldn't talk to anyone about the Bucks. I couldn't have any conversation about the Bucks without somebody asking me if I thought Bud was making adjustments and if I thought Bud was going to be able to adjust in the postseason. And, you know, I asked some variation of that question uh, probably a hundred times this season to Bud. And, uh, essentially the organization's answer to it was, yep, we've made some tweaks. We've changed some things around. And, you know, they, they went to a spot where uh, Brooke Lopez was posting up more on offense and Giannis was working on his turnaround jumper and his hook shot. And, uh, you know, defensively they were kind of trying to do things just slightly differently, but for the most part, pretty much the same, but there were slight tweaks in there. There were nights where they decided to switch some things. And all of those, essentially the larger answer to Ken Bud adjust was, yeah, and we're doing it right here in the regular season. You've seen all these small tweaks that we're making. And I think ultimately what this season answered is that this isn't a small tweaks thing. Uh, this is something that if we're going to talk about adjustments and what you're going to have to do in the playoffs, these need to be real full-on adjustments. It isn't, okay, well, sometimes we switch this action defensively. It's we switched everything for 10 minutes. Every, every single screen, every single pick and roll, every single cut, we switched all of it. That is a real adjustment. That is something that is tangible that you can say, hey, if my team needs it in this moment, we can, we can switch over to that. Offensively, okay, there was this little tweak that Brooke is posting up more or Giannis is using this turnaround or Chris can do more in isolation. But the greater scheme is still one guy in the middle of the floor attacking the basket and making defenses choose, are we going to let that guy get to the rim or is he going to be able to kick it out to three-point shooters? 
And we've seen overwhelmingly in the playoffs, teams just don't care if you kick it out. They don't. They, they will do everything that they can to build that wall against Giannis and do everything they can to stop him. So they're in a spot where you have to have something different. You have to be able to go to side pick and roll with Giannis. You have to be able to use Chris Middleton in a different way. Like You have to have different, real, tangible options, not just tweaks. So I think a lot of the criticism for Bud is warranted, and I think the organization is going to put a lot of pressure on him this offseason to figure out how it is that he is going to answer these questions next year because he had an offseason, he had this full season to try to get ready to answer those questions, and he couldn't answer any of them when it came to a playoff series where they were struggling. I want to see something done. I think the argument is that Middleton's good. He's not great. Bledsoe is adequate. Uh, they don't have that. Uh, the, the term assassin has been used quite a bit. They don't have that outside guy that can consistently hit. Um, how do you see, uh, and by the way, we're talking with Eric Name of the Athletic, our Milwaukee basketball insider on the Schneider Orange Hotline, but how do you see this offseason going? Because for all the talk of different trades and different names being brought into this organization, if indeed it's even possible, it doesn't seem like it's straight-up trades. It would be three-team deals if the Bucks are going to get better by bringing in outside talent, correct? Yeah, I mean, the Bucks kind of have a limited set of players to work with. Uh, they don't, they have some assets, obviously, because they are one of the better teams in the league. But, you know, if you look at a guy like Brooke Lopez, he's in his 30s, Bloodstone in his 30s, Chris Middleton, uh, late 20s. You're looking through a bunch of players, George Hill in his mid 30s. Like, all those guys are older in. You know, do people really want them? Dante DiVincenzo might have been, you know, a really interesting trade prospect around this year's trade deadline, but he kind of fell off a cliff when they got to the to the bubble. So I think there's a lot of stuff there. Um, there's players to be traded, but maybe they don't have the best contracts, or maybe it's not the best situation. So I think that is – they are going to have to – if they do want to try to make some moves, they're going to have to trade some of those guys and they have to get creative. Uh, like you said, maybe there's three teams, something like that. Uh, you know, look at future first-round picks and how you move some of those around. So, uh, you know, they have assets. Those assets aren't great. But, you know, I think it, it's really interesting to to kind of watch and, and see where the conversation goes here because, you know, the it's always, oh, you know, there's not enough around Giannis. That's why he's going to want to leave. Chris Middleton was great in this Heat series. Like, he, he, Giannis couldn't get anything going, and Middleton just had to do everything, every game. Like it was, the offense ran through Chris Middleton every single game. And I mean, you're looking at twenty-eight, six and five, twenty-three, six and eight, eighteen, three and seven, thirty-six, eight and eight, twenty-three, seven and six for Chris Middleton in five games against the Heat. You can't ask for much more than that from a number two on a team. Like he went out and won you a game. And that's what people always say, true number twos have to be able to do. He did that. Like He, he went out and did that. So it, it, I can't imagine it's Middleton that's the problem. It's it, You have to go further down the list. And then also, you know, you have to point the finger at number one. Like Giannis wasn't good enough in this series. He didn't have an answer. Last year, you know, they lost to the Raptors, and he, he spent a lot of time telling me about how he was looking at Kawhi Leonard in that series and, oh, Kawhi controls the whole pace of the game because he has a mid-range jumper and he can get to the spots that he wants. 
Uh, you know, that's what Giannis said he was going to work on. He said he was going to work on his hook shot, his turnaround jumper. We saw those in the regular season, and then we saw him airball those shots against the Heat. We saw him not willing to shoot those shots against the Heat. We didn't see him add that this year. So I, I do think, you know, there is there there are absolutely questions about the supporting cast, but there's also some questions that Giannis has to answer about how he's going to continue to get better and how he is going to be a number one that leads his team in the postseason. Because at this point, it's it's a little bit difficult to see because this is two two postseason series in a row where they've lost and the answer has been put up a wall against Giannis. He's not going to beat you from the outside. And right. if that remains to be the question, it gets really tough. Yep, I I completely agree, and people think I'm nuts when I give Giannis any criticism, but it, he deserves a fair amount of it as well. I completely agree. Eric, great stuff as always. We'll chat again real soon, and uh, now enjoy the off season for the most part. <laughs> Sounds good. Look, I look forward to talking to you again. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. Eric Nay, Milwaukee, Milwaukee basketball insider for The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Eric underscore name, at Eric underscore name. Joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard, they treat you fair. 80-plus years they've been doing it. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.